if there is something that you really believe in, you have to pursue it regardless of what people are saying. Hey, welcome back to the Wild Business Growth Podcast. This is your place to hear from a new entrepreneur every single Wednesday morning who's turning wild ideas into wild growth. I'm your host, Max Brandstetter, founder and podcast producer of Max Podcasting. And you can email me at max at maxpodcasting.com. <laughs> I think my voice just cracked. I'm going to keep it in there. Max at maxpodcasting.com to save time with your high quality podcast. This is episode 270 Quattro, and today's guest is Alex Goshevsky, spelled like Coach K. That, that's all I got for you. <laughs> Alex is the co-founder and COO of Keo Labs, a super innovative company who is creating a more sustainable future by turning seaweed into clothes. <laughs> Their flagship product, Kelson Fiber, is significantly more sustainable than legacy fibers. And in this interview, we talk the incredible journey of Keolabs, how Kelson actually works, why seaweed is better, how there's even a McCartney in the mix, and a little Bojangles. It is Alex Goshevsky. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, we are here with Alex Goshevsky, which I have been practicing uh, since before even coming across your name, Alex. No, <laughs> no. Uh, really, really cool co-founder, COO of Q-Labs doing just truly game-changing things. I think that word gets overstated, but game-changing things in the in the fashion and, and fiber space and beyond. Alex, thank you so much for joining. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for getting my name right. That was perfect. <laughs> of course, of course. And you know, a little behind the scenes here, we've spent the past hour practicing that. So, so thank you for uh, you know do, for doing that. But I, I had heard it before, and I had an, an inkling that it was similar pronunciation to how Coach K pronounces the last name. But you never know for sure. So I'm sure. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, how often do people butcher your last name? I I can't blame them for butchering it. I, the spelling isn't the easiest. So, you know, it happens. Some people know, some people don't, but I usually expect it to be wrong at this point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And on the same way, last name Brandstetter, I think even though mine is like super phonetic, I have this theory that once your last name is longer than like, I don't know, maybe six or seven letters, people just automatically get it wrong. So. Well, then I'm in that boat. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go Chefsky together. Before we get to Keel Labs, I know that you spent time at FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology. And I don't know much about it besides, you know, context clues and it's got a great reputation and you can guess, you know, what you what you focus on there, but how different was your time at FIT from what most people would think about like going to like a traditional, you know, general college or university? Yeah. So uh, FIT was my top school when I was looking where to apply. I knew I wanted to do something creative and 
in high school, I didn't really have access to many creative outlets, especially within the school. So I was looking for programs outside. And I had started going to FIT when I was in high school. Um, and so it was my target for college. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do something creative. I want to make stuff. I want to design things. I want to be in fashion. Although I didn't experience a traditional college experience, um, I had many friends that were going to liberal arts schools, you know, my sister going to a liberal arts school. So I got to experience it in some capacity through stories and by, by going to, to visit them. Um, and FIT was unlike your traditional experience completely. First of all, there's no Greek life. <laughs> Second of all, it's more like a trade school. Um, and so there is a heavy emphasis on skills and industry knowledge rather than, um, let's say, your general liberal studies. You have those classes, of course. You have to take them. They're required as part of your curriculum. Uh, but most of it is very much like a hands-on practice. Your classes are long studio classes where you have projects assigned to you to make some sort of garment, to make some sort of artwork. And so it was very creative in a, in a way that I really wanted. And I, I felt like I was lacking in my past. Uh, and um, I, I appreciated that. But it was extremely intense. Um, we had very, very packed schedules. Like I said, most classes were studio classes. So your classes were typically three to four hours. You had maybe six, seven classes a week. So it was intense. Um, and on top of that, you also usually had an internship of some sort so that you also had firsthand industry experience. And so FIT basically wanted to prepare you for the industry. And they did that really well. Was it just devastating not to participate in sorority rush TikToks? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I missed it. I got to go to, you know, different parties with my friends when I would visit them, but I'm not necessarily sad that I didn't get to be part of Greek life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I can imagine. But, you know, it sounds like an incredible and pretty unique experience there. And you use the word intense. What was the most intense thing about your studies there? It was the expectations and, and the competition. Everyone, our professors would often say, like, everyone in your class at some point or another is going to be a colleague of yours. Like, just, you know, these are people you're going to be working with. But at the same time, they were our competition. The way it worked at FIT, like after, at the end of every year, you always had, they, they basically like trimmed the fat, right? Like, it got the groups got smaller and smaller and smaller. So you were competing for certain spots within programs or within shows to display your work. It became really competitive and you always wanted to give a, like your, your all. Again, if you had six classes or seven classes, you had projects from all those classes that you were trying to give your all. Like there was no half-assing. I mean, you could, but then your chances of, you know, moving on were slim. Is there a, a particular project or exercise in class that you can look back on that you're like, oh my God, that was, that was like the gauntlet? Yeah, my thesis. Um, so that was my final project for my senior year uh, where I had to design a collection and I wanted to do something using organic materials. And I actually started introducing some of the 
ideas I had around Keel Labs into that project too. Uh, and I was like, this is going to kill me. This thing is going to kill me. Um, but I, those pieces ended up looking really great. And I also ended up getting an award for it. So I guess it was worth it. <laughs> so speaking of trimming fat and <laughs> keeling, let's get to Keel Labs. As part of research for this, one of the first things I came well, besides just being blown away by how cool it is, what you're doing, one of the things I kept going back to thinking was like, what in the world is the difference between seaweed and kelp and algae, if there is one? Algae is a generic term, and you have micro and macro algae. Seaweed is a category within algae. I guess that's more specific. And within seaweed, then you also have three general categories of seaweed. You have red seaweed, brown seaweed, green seaweed. So that's kind of the basics. For us, what we work with, we work with brown seaweeds, generally macro seaweeds. So the really large, long, leafy types of seaweeds you see in the beautiful Apple uh, screensavers. Um, (laughs) And when you're like out uh, on the coastlines. And then we also work with other species as well, um, including some invasive species that we're trying to get a control under. And how about kelp? Uh, Where's kelp working? So kelp is a specific type of large brown seaweed. Okay. Wait, so kelp's actually brown? Oh, I just assumed it was green. See, I, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's a specific brown seaweed. And the distinction between the red, the green, and the brown is really the composition of the seaweeds and the general temperatures that they grow in. This is the most we've ever talked about weed of any form on the podcast. <laughs> so this is a new territory. But no, I, I appreciate the background there. And it kind of it sounds like it's the... I'm so bad with this stuff, but the the classes of how you, the hierarchy of the scientific terms for biology, like order, phylum, genus, but like, it's kind of like that, right? So that's yeah. within it. Perfect. Appreciate the uh, the background, the, the grounding there. Yeah. So whether it, whether it was seaweed or kelp or algae, whichever one of these like piqued your interest first, how in the world, literally, how, how in the world did that catch your interest? It's really hard to even explain how this happened. And it's quite unbelievable because it kind of just fell on the table. Like it just fell on our laps. So maybe a little bit more backstory. My business partners and I met in school. Tess and I in particular were studying knitwear and fashion and textiles. And we were seeing the same things. Like there's a huge amount of pollution in the fashion sector. Uh, We're using really toxic materials to create the fashion we wear. And ultimately, those toxic materials are ending up in our bodies, right? That's no secret. Like, fashion is not a clean industry. So taking all those things into account, we're like, how do we make things better? How do we make help brands make commitments to sustainability or help achieve the commitments they're making to sustainability through the fundamental building block of their products, which is the materials they work with? And so we started by researching whatever we could on new materials. 
and worked with um, or, or investigated mycelium and SCOBY and, and all these things people had already spent a lot of time working on. Those things were incredible, but were not able to help us accomplish the targets we had, which really were to create a fiber and like a continuous filament. We were like, okay, how do we get there? And we went back to the drawing board and did a little bit more research and like seaweed just kept coming up. And we were like, okay, well, why don't we try this out? <laughs> it's it's everywhere. I mean, it's literally everywhere. But yeah, yeah, that's like, I think somebody from the outside might hear your story and be like, wow, like Alex must have loved seaweed from age one. I had no connection to seaweed or the ocean. Um I mean, I just, other than just loving, you know, being in the water, but I was yeah. never like, oh, I'm going to do something with seaweed one day. <laughs> I'm also kicking myself because, you know, a few minutes ago, you mentioned that when you're at FIT, you know, you knew you were all either going to work together or be competitors. And you, you literally started this business with some of your classmates. <laughs> so like right then, it's like proof is in the pudding there. So you you mentioned it's cool to think about how to use this stuff and it's obviously great for the environment, but at some point you actually have to, you know, go pedal to the metal or uh, money where your mouth is would be a better idiom and actually create the fiber, which sounds like the easiest thing in the world. I'm sure people do in their sleep, but like not that you've spent much time on it. And flash forward, you have this fast forward, you have this Kelson fiber, which is like your, your flagship, fiber and and we'll talk more about that in a bit but in terms of de developing that like how did you, how did you make that jump of going from like all right we need a fiber to here's how actually we we turn seaweed into like this thing that can be wearable well i will just address you know the fact that i'm not a scientist first of all so you you said mycelium pretty well <laughs> thank you we're starting there so the the scientific knowledge that the team had in the beginning was basic. Like it was very rudimentary science. Um, again, we had the idea, we had the vision, we had the concept and we knew what we wanted to make. So we were able to do, we were able to prototype. We were able to show an example of what we were trying to accomplish through trial and error. At one point, um, I remember, you know, we had been mixing different things together and, you know, working with seaweed. And I was like, guys, do you think we should be measuring some of this stuff? And I was like, oh, yeah, we should probably be measuring, you know, like, again, we're creatives, right? So, right. That, that's the first step of the scientific method right there. <laughs> so we started measuring and we do measure now. The, 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 the important thing is here, we got to a point where we, able, we were able to prove our idea and we were able to garner interest. When we were able to bring in funding, those initial funds went to individuals that had experience, expertise, careers in chemistry to help us further develop our product. Like you had to learn really quickly how to start a business and then also like how to do all the sciencey stuff too <laughs> at the same time. How did you manage to be, I guess, like a learner of, of both of those worlds at the same time and, and fast? I think through curiosity. Um, I never quite knew what uh, Keel was going, Keel Ops was going to turn into. I wasn't sure if it was going to be a project. Again, this was something we started in school. It was unclear if we were all going to pursue this further or yeah, what it was going to be. And I remember at one point, a friend of mine was like, I think this is going to be a company. 
And I was like, what? And I think, you know, she was the one that really got me to think about the potential of Keel Labs. I was really open to it. I was really curious. I understood the risks and challenges that came with it. But I was like, why not give it a shot? Why not see what happens? Like, the worst thing that like happens is that I just learn a whole bunch of stuff that I can use, you know, further down the line. Did it help when seaweed was legalized in many U.S. states? <laughs> we need to keep spreading it. it. needs to grow more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, we've had previous guests on who turn, you know, what were then class projects into real things. And it's it's a really like cool and unique opportunity to be able to do that. Because I think when you're able to start something in the classroom or maybe, you know, per se for a thesis, it's almost like a playground. Like you have room to experiment there with, without the like full financial repercussions of like, if you were to fail in the business world, you know, and kind of test things and prototype things out before you get started. So that's like, that's a phenomenal place to, you know, skyrocket your, your business launch there. Well, there's definitely, I I do want to be real too. Like there's definitely some insecurities that come with it, especially like at that point in time for me, I didn't have any business experience. I barely had any like work experience and to be going out and starting a company in an industry that I also don't have any experience in was pretty ballsy. Like I, (laughs) I, I understand like why people would second guess like what we were doing or if we were even able to do it. So I just want to say if there is something that you really believe in, you have to pursue it regardless of what people are saying. And people don't use the term ballsy enough. So I appreciate you throwing it in there. It is so true. And this actual fiber, Kelson, (laughs) I don't know why I'm talking about it. Like it doesn't have a name. Uh, how does it act like from an outsider's standpoint, how does it actually work? Cause it's, it's like mind blowing to me that even like as, as much as we've talked to them, as much as I learn about it, it's mind blowing that you can literally take seaweed and turn it into like the fiber that it is today. And that will keep, you know, keep becoming in many places. Yeah. So let me tell you what we actually do. And how we <laughs> uh, so we start with the seaweed um, again, generally brown, different brown seaweed varieties. Um, And we extract polymers uh, from that, that we then mix with into a solution that's like our proprietary formula. After that step, we use a wet spinning process that is used traditionally in fiber manufacturing for materials like viscose or rayon. If you look at your fabric label, you know, in the clothes you wear, you'll probably see these names. We follow that same process. However, we eliminate all the toxic chemicals that they typically use. Uh, And then at the end of it, we end up with a filament that we cut and crimp into fiber um, that looks and feels much like cotton. So it's a really, really incredible process. And yeah, it's kind of crazy now that I'm explaining it to think about, you know, we, we go from seaweed to basically a material that feels like something you've worn before. I mean, who doesn't do that in their spare time? you know, as a science project, but no, no, it, it's incredible how you've done that. How much, speaking of the scientific method, how much testing and learning has there been just to get to like this point? Constant. I don't think it ever stops. Um, it's, it's 
always an iteration. How can we make things better? Okay, great. What is the priority today? What is the most important thing today? What is the biggest fire that we're trying to put out? Let's tackle that. Okay, and then we move on to the next one. Like it's never, the list is never done. Um, There's always something to look at, to learn about, to investigate and to try. Yeah, there's always, I I think that's one of the the most exhausting things about being an entrepreneur is like there's, I mean, the same thing if you're like a marketer, there's always more you can be doing. And so it's like, you have to be so good at prioritizing and fire drill, taking care of ing, if that's a word. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's exhausting because I, well, I find it to be very engaging and I think it, it does sometimes take a certain type of person to be willing to work on something that might not have a clear end or a clear end date and that might not have a clear destination either. I think it's amazing to be able to, you know, have all these different ideas and, and execute and see what happens. Yeah. And C would be spelled S-E-A. See what you did there. Exactly. (laughs) On that note of not exactly having a clear end, uh, you know, the the world is your oyster, just to stick with the nautical puns here. What what sort of possibilities are you most excited about for Kelson Fiber and like anything else that you might, you know, whip up in the future? Um, that's a great question. So Kelson, we officially launched last year with Stella McCartney and we started with the fashion industry because my background and, and Tessa's background are in fashion. And so it was a very familiar space for us. Um, however, we're dealing with a fiber and fibers can be put into so many different products. So we're really looking forward to expanding the portfolio of products and brands that we're working with to account for home goods, to account for automotive, other areas where where you experience materials. Because at the end of the day, what we're creating is so much more sustainable than your traditional materials. And for us to have the impact on the world that we're trying to have in terms of you know, preserving our environment, preserving our planet. We want this to be an accessible material. And can you give a a quick crash course on that? Which is tough to say. What is it about seaweed and the like that is so much better for the environment than, you know, cotton and other traditional materials like that? Well, to start with the basics, seaweed is grown in water. So you don't have to. Could you imagine if I didn't know that? Like, man, I really should have done my research. (laughs) Well, sorry, that might have been too basic. Um, No, no, I I understand. You know, I I really uh, shine a bright light for myself on this show. No, go ahead. (laughs) Well, the comparison is you're dealing with raw materials for other fibers that are either grown on land that have really long growing seasons that require a lot of harsh chemicals. Uh, you know, herbicides, pesticides require a lot of water use, degrade our soil, or are being drilled out of our earth to, you know, create petroleum-based products. So in both cases, we're dealing with a really rough start for the raw material. In our case, seaweed, we really don't need to do anything. It grows on its own. You don't need to water it. You don't need to give it any herbicides or pesticides. 
it filters the waterways it grows in, it absorbs CO2. It has all these benefits. It has all these like it inherently has an upper hand from the get-go. And by the way, as you were talking about watering, I just had a flashback. I'm pretty sure in SpongeBob, they had like plants that they would water underwater. And that always, that always like irked me. It's like, wait a second, this something doesn't <laughs> add up here, but it but no, I, I but on, on the serious note, it's awesome that it has so many benefits in that. It's just, like, you can, you can see the possibilities there. In terms of partnerships, the fact that you've kind of made you know headlines and launched this and like partnered with Stella McCartney is incredible. And you know, obviously, she and the brand are so influential in the space. How did that come up in the first place? She just came and knocked on your door. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of. Um, <laughs> um, I think Stella has been a supporter. Well, she has been a supporter of the business from the early days. Um, she was really curious about what we were doing and wanted to help us, you know, get to a point where we can create something together. And, and we did that. It took a couple of years, but we were ultimately able to do that. And, you know, we're super excited to be able to launch with her. She is a powerhouse and she has I think pushed the rest of the industry to also reconsider what materials they're working with. So a lot of kudos to her for doing that. That is a, that is a hard fight to fight. Um, but it does require certain people to get it started in order to have the ripple effects that we want. Oh, absolutely. What was your first reaction when you found out that, Hey, they not only were like, you know, Stella and like the company interested in partnering with you, but like, literally like Paris fashion week, like you're, like you're going to be featured there. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Like there's no way of even putting words to it. Um, it was such an exciting moment to find out, but also to actually be there and see this idea we had in school come to life. Like it was a moment of, wow, we did this, you know, it was, it was a proud moment. And on the note of, of doing this, I, recently at the time of this recording, you know, you were you were seen speaking and you, you've been promoting the Kelson T-shirt. And so that's a really, really cool development. Can you shed a little light on what makes this T-shirt so cool? We have been wanting to show brands what's possible with our material. And so we decided to also start, you know, developing some um unique products on our own. We're not going crazy here just to basically contextualize what we do. And so this t-shirt was something that we knew early on we wanted to make because it helps uh, portray what we do, but it's also a relatable item. Everyone owns a t-shirt, right? Like everyone knows what a t-shirt is like. Is that something that's underwater? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so any, uh, us being able to create the shirt was just like, a way to exemplify, like, here's this idea of the seaweed fiber and we can turn it into a product and we can, we can help you get there too. We can show you how to do that. It's super easy. It's a drop-in solution. Let's work together. Well, it's an incredible journey you've had. And when you, when you, you've been doing this for years, like when you look back at everything, what, what advice do you have for any entrepreneur out there who 
is in a company like yours where like you have a really strong mission behind it. You have like a really like it's really cool and easy to be passionate about what you're doing. But like it might take a long time, even years to see like public payout or, you know, support or recognition for it. One, believe in that, like in, in the end game and that you'll get there. And two, find supporters that also believe in it and that will help you achieve that. Um, if you bring in the wrong people, it's going to make it difficult because you guys are just going to have different expectations. So believe in yourself and find the people that believe in you too. Believe like the great Ted Lasso believes in. If you want to subscribe to a newsletter that Ted Lasso would be proud of, uh, for nothing except for the worst puns known to (laughs) humans in the U.S. or in the Premier League, the Premier League, then you'd love the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. It is where podcasting meets entrepreneurship and said puns, and maybe sad puns. You can sign up at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Now for yet another Ted Lasso reference. And I believe it is time to wrap up with some rapid fire Q&A. You ready for it? Okay, let's hear it. All right. Shout out Ted Lasso, believe. If you could, you know, in some fictional world, hang out and be best friends with the marine animal, what would the animal be? Oh, man. It's always a tie for me between like a starfish and an octopus. So a starfish to puss. We'll we'll work on the name. But (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 those are cool. Yeah, I love how unique both of those animals are. Lots of lots of character personality there. Yeah. What is the coolest place besides Paris, potentially, that this Kiel Labs journey has taken you to? Um, we've seen so many amazing parts of the world, and I know we'll see more. I guess Southeast Asia was a really amazing experience for me recently. You are somebody who grew up in Jersey. Shout out New Providence. Shout out my wife, Dana. And you spent many, many years in you know New York, Brooklyn. And now you're in North Carolina, which is, you know, same exact thing, right? Now, what has been the biggest difference you've noticed since, you know, spending all your time, but besides, you know, your time in Southeast Asia, spending all your time in North Carolina these days? The biggest difference has been perspective. Um, I think New York just has so much stimulation and you're constantly like, I don't know, looking at the next shiny object. Um, I think uh, North Carolina is a little bit calmer and it's given me better perspective of my life and, and uh, Key Labs. Um, and also in terms of the company more specifically, like the talent, um, we have an amazing team that we were able to build here because of the textile history that North Carolina has to offer. And how many days a week do you have Bojangles? <laughs> I'm shocked you know that. I, I know lots of random food chains. <laughs> <laughs> I've had Bojangles once. I'm always down to try things. And it's a, you know, it's a classic chain down here. So I had to give it a go. It is. Uh, we used to spend a lot of time going down to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. And we were on those long road trips from Ohio. We would we would stop for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just depends if you want 
biscuits and gravy or more like the sweet biscuits but they yeah i got a special place in my heart for, for bojangles and it was a funny yeah. name and sweet tea i'm sure oh yeah of course why not and how often do you get cookout no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no tried it once try everything once even seaweed now alex thank you so much this has been an absolute blast just absolutely love what you're doing and it's so cool to to see it go from you know thesis and idea to real business and literally at like paris like top fashion show in the world like that that's incredible so thanks thank you so much for coming on where where's the best place for people to find out more about keel labs and if they want to connect with you online yeah, we are all we're on all social media platforms. You can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Follow us on any of those. We also have a really great newsletter we send out every month or so with some updates on what we're doing and you know, links to forms that, you know, you can participate in if you're interested in working with us. So yeah, any of those work. Perfect. And then last thing stage is yours. Final thoughts. It could be a quote, a line, words to live by, whatever you want. Send us home here. Honestly, just go for it. Like, give anything a try. Even Bojangles. Thank you so much, Alex, for sharing your incredible Kill Lab story and beyond. And thank you, wild listeners, for tuning in to another episode. If you want to hear more wild stories like this one that may be from deep in the sea or maybe from outer space or maybe, I, I don't know, something else involving algae, you never know, which is deep in the sea. Make sure to follow the Wild Business Growth Podcast on your favorite app and tell a friend about the podcast and share this episode with them. It will be sure to blow their mind and maybe even even doing the butterfly across an ocean. You can also find us on Good Pods where there are good, good podcasts and podcast recommendations and people. And for any help with podcast production, you can learn more at maxpodcasting.com and sign up for the Podcasting to the Max newsletter. That is at maxpodcasting.com slash newsletter. Until next time, from Bikini Bottom, let your business run wild. Bring on the bongos! <laughs>